I'm Maggie, and this is my husband, Paul. Oh. Now we can speak. So let's try it again. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. <laughs> Still not a funny joke. All right, so I'm going to start with the reading. Um, thank you all for having me here, and it's good to see you all. Um, this is from Matthew chapter 23, verse 25 to 26. Woe to you teachers of the law, and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and dish, then the outside also will be clean. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. you pray? Yes, I can. Heavenly Father, we ask you to open our hearts, our minds, our ears, bless this community, even the Duke fans. Sorry, it's basketball. But we ask you to open our hearts and ears. Every time we hear your word, it's in our relationship with you. We hear things differently that apply to our life and how we can apply that and live your word and live by example. We ask you to bless us. Bless Maggie, give her strength, and open us up. Amen. Amen. Thanks, honey. So we're going to be doing a prayer of confession later, so Paul will be praying for forgiveness for, for what he just did. <laughs> so welcome. Um, it's always funny for, to be up here. I kind of want to come a little bit closer. I guess I can do that. Um, for those of you who are new, um, maybe first time here. I know I've got some folks that came um, because I let them know I was speaking today and they're supportive friends, wonderful people. Um, I just want to let you know that we've been in a series uh, called Rebel Jesus and we've been walking through the woes, I believe there's seven of them, in Matthew, which is why um, we read the woe. And I recognize that w sometimes when you hear those woes, you're like, whoa. That's kind of heavy, right? It's heavy stuff. So there's another, um, there's a book uh, called a, a scriptural paraphrase. It's not technically scripture, you know, like Paul read from the NIV version, which is kind of like been given a thumbs up. This is kind of like an off brand. But I like what the message says about these woes. So I'm going to read it to you just because it's going to help me to kind of get get in the groove of, I think, where Jesus is at. Eugene Peterson, who is the author, titles this section Religious Fashion Shows, which I think sums it up really nicely, what he's going for here, um, because he's speaking into this tendency that religious folks can have to be fake. So here's what he says. Now Jesus turned to address his disciples along with the crowd that had gathered with them. The religion scholars and Pharisees are competent teachers in God's law. You won't go wrong in following their teachings on Moses, but be careful about following them. They talk a good line, but they don't live it. They don't take it into their hearts and live it out in their behavior. It's all spit and polish veneer. Instead of giving you God's law as food and drink by which you can banquet on, they package it in bundles of rules, loading you down like pack mules. 
They seem to take pleasure in watching you stagger under these loads and wouldn't think of lifting a finger to help. Their lives are a perpetual fashion show, embroidered prayer shawls one day and flowery prayers the next. They love to sit at the head table at church dinners, basking in the most prominent positions, preening in the radiance of public flattery, receiving honorary degrees, and getting called doctor and reverend. Don't let people do that to you. Put you on a pedestal like that. You have been a single teacher. Sorry, you all have a single teacher, capital T. And you are all classmates. Don't set people up as experts over your life, letting them tell you what to do. Save the authority for God. Let him tell you what to do. No one else should carry the title of father. You have only one father, and he's in heaven. And don't let people maneuver you into taking charge of them. There is only one life leader for you and them, Christ. Do you want to stand out? Then step down. Be a servant. If you puff yourselves up, you'll get the wind knocked out of you. But if you are content to simply be yourself, your life will count for plenty. I really like that word because I think it's very uh, down to earth. Um, we got the rebel Jesus up here. I want to show you a picture Next, please. Um, this is a depiction of our author, Matthew, who wrote the gospel according to Matthew. Um, it's a little bit dark, uh, maybe hard for you to see. If you go to Rome, you can see it in person. And I suggest that you do because it's very impressive. Jesus is over here on the side pointing. Matthew is uh, at the table. You may, not, may or may not remember he was Levi, a tax collector. So this picture is essentially uh, Jesus is calling Matthew from his work and telling him to follow him. It's a very um, beautiful picture. And the reason why I wanted to show it to you is because Matthew is the guy who wrote this gospel. And I think it's really easy for us to put him in a place that is almost non-human. He was a guy who was doing his job. He was um, confronted by Jesus, pointed out, and given a command to follow him. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to be talking about confrontation and then confession. You all have a prayer of confession, and I want to just give you a heads up. The reason why we're heading in that direction is that this confrontation that is possible with Jesus puts us in a place, I think, where we recognize our lack. There's like feedback noise, sorry. And we can um, come to realize we're guilty. We're not perfect. We mess up. We have, um, we have you know, there's that sin, sinner's word. We are sinners, and we need some help. What I want to look at today is how Jesus confronts us, um, which is why we're going to do the confession at the end, because I find that it's something in my own life that I have been lacking, 
and I was reintroduced to it a couple weeks ago at the local Lutheran church. I went there um, to an Ash Wednesday service. I happened to be a friend with the pastor there and have met some other lovely Lutherans in that congregation. And when we went through that prayer of confession, I thought to myself, I need this. We need this. We need these moments when we um, are honest before God. Should I just take this thing off? And you guys are smart, right? You know which one Jesus is. Um, he, again, this is called the uh, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees. If you want to see this one, you only have to travel to Brooklyn. It's at the Brooklyn Museum. And here we find Jesus confronting religious authorities. Oh, okay. Can I just... Can I just hold it? Okay, it'll just stay. Okay. All these technological things. Um, Jesus is, has got the, the boldness to confront. See, I'm going to move away from it then. Yeah. Help me, God. Right? Ravi's like, God help her. Um, huh? Thank you. Woo. I know, I'm like, where am I now? You got a very bold person right there standing up in front of these religious folks, right? And we all know the story of where this led for him, right? Didn't go well. And then it did go well because Easter is coming. So he was executed at the hands of, uh, I really, the call of the religious folks there in cooperation with the Romans and it got him killed, but he didn't stay dead. And then there's that, which is a beautiful thing, right? He's the Lord. Okay, so we're heading into this place of considering uh, confrontation by the Lord Jesus and then confession, um, because I think that that's where it brings us. Okay, hypocrisy is the thing that Jesus is calling out here. We are not strangers to this idea of hypocrisy. Each and every one of you in this room can think probably very quickly of moments when you yourself have been a hypocrite or currently are, as I am. Or people come to mind that you could call out probably with much angst and um, grief about how they have been religious people who have been hypocritical. This picture shows Jesus standing confronting these folks, and I want to note that I think that this is what breaks his heart. We might want to condemn the Pharisees. There could be um, a sense that we do this today too when we come up upon religious folks who are we think are being hypocritical we want to be kind of condemning and ill-willed toward them but I don't think that that is really what Jesus is after because I, I think for, for all of us in that state what he's doing is trying to call us out for what is real what is happening and point us in a different direction he wants to bring us to a place of blessing and that's where we're going to head today. The reason for confession is I think that it brings us into a clear, free space where we are enabled to be blessed. 
And from that place, we can then be a blessing to others. Um, next picture. So some of you follow me on Instagram and know that I have been famous uh, over these last months or so for posting pictures of food. Um, so I posted a picture of food for you all today. And I think it clearly, what, what I'm trying to go for here is the fact that Jesus is talking about these uh, cups and, and plates and dishes and clean and dirty and what is all of that about. Essentially, I think what he was addressing is the fact that there were these uh, religious purity codes, right? And there, was, there were these rituals, and the Jews, um, even today, have ritualistic behaviors that attempt, we do the sim similar types of things as well, attempt to show the reality of what is going on inside. The hope is that we show clean hands, clean cups, clean dishes, and that it is a reflection of the reality of what is going on within us, our whole person. If we show a clean cup, we're clean on the inside, right? We have good fruit. We're loaded with hemp seeds and bee pollen and strawberries and raspberries and yogurt and fresh squeezed orange juice. But there's always that tendency that what we are actually doing is putting on a front. And we want people to think that we got it all going on. And we do this very publicly and very socially and now very easily with social media. And I can put up over and over again, day after day after day, images that would lead you to believe that everything is absolutely wonderful with my life. And you do it too. And if you don't do it, you watch other people do it. You know what I'm talking about, right? Um, next picture. Then there is the reality of the dirty sink, okay? In my house, this is my sink. Paul will tell you our sink is magic. We have a magic sink. This is something that happens in my house. I don't know if it happens in yours, but you ought to hope for it, maybe even pray. You have a sink full of dishes that look like this. Paul will go in and see a sink full of dirty dishes. And he will go up to his office and come down two hours later and all of those dishes are gone. And the sink is clean because someone has come and cleaned the dishes. And that is kind of what God does for us. God does my dishes. <laughs> or I should say God does Paul's dishes. Okay? Okay, next. Oh, we got no more slides. That's it. <coughs> Let's take that away. Put the rebel Jesus back up there if you want. I think I'm done with all of those things. <clears throat> okay. I brought a clock up here today because I have a tendency to really get off with the time. And I'll tell you what. I haven't looked at it yet. So I'm making a note now that I'm going to talk for 10 more minutes and then I'm going to leave into the next thing. <clears throat> 
Something that really struck me about this Matthew 23 woes passage that some of you might be thinking that we've been in ad nauseum because what, it's like week six or something, five, maybe week five, six. You're, you, you might be a bit exhausted with the woes or maybe you're feeling a bit free and liberated from it and you're glad that we're almost at the end of it. I don't know. But I noticed something while I was sitting um, with this text that I thought, wow, this is really kind of cool. And I don't know if it's been brought up over the last couple weeks or not. Um, But I thought it was some really interesting insight that I feel like came from God, as well as the fact that I've got a theological education, which can be very helpful in these moments, as well as my upbringing. My upbringing um, was very... um, faithful family of Roman Catholics. We went to church every Sunday, and I had this foundation in my life that was um, informed by the liturgy of the church. And something that jumped out at me in this passage, in verse 2339, Jesus refers to Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Okay? Now he's referring to himself. And I noted that earlier in Matthew, in Matthew 21, 9, there are some people who say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then these woes are found in the middle of all of that. Now in verse, in, in chapter 21, 9, when blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord is said, it is a procession. There's a procession going on, and Jesus is coming into the city of Jerusalem, and people are processing and waving palm branches and celebrating and announcing, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. It is like a majestic procession of a king entering a city, and that king is Jesus. The woes come and are spoken while he is in the city, interacting uh, in the day-to-day life there. And at the end, he makes note that there will be a day when people will say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now, when I hear that phrase, my um, heart leaps. And I am brought to moments in my life um, that would have been very weakly to liturgy in the church. During a time that's called the Eucharistic prayer, and we're going to be doing a version of it shortly over here, which is why we have bread and wine, there is a uh, part of that liturgy that prayer of thanksgiving that recognizes uh, the reality of God's presence in that place and recognizes who Jesus is in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup as it is said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That bit of, um, I want to say verbiage, That bit of liturgy is known as the sanctus because it is paired with also recognizing um, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. 
And that is a reference to another um, passage from Isaiah. And something that I learned uh, even this week that I thought was such a beautiful depiction of who Jesus is and our place in all of it is that the holy, holy, holy that we can join in is said by heaven and the angels. There's this recognition of Jesus as the Lord, Jesus as the king, Jesus as the authority by heaven. Heaven knows who Jesus is, as we would expect, right? And then the blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord comes from earth, comes from people, people who recognize who Jesus is as the Lord, Jesus as the King, Jesus as the Christ, Jesus as Messiah. And when people know him as that, they say, blessed is he. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And it is the thing that changes everything in our life. When we come to know that that is true, the song that we sang a little bit ago about the name of Jesus, he is unique. There is no one else like him. There's someone in this room today that I'm so glad is here, and I just, I'm not going to call her out specifically, but I want to let you know. Because I think that she is a good um, example of a, of a person who is from earth, who recognizes Jesus for who he is, and is so confident in that that she invites other people into that life as well. She did that for me. When she invited me to a Bible study that was going to be held at her home, in like 2005 or six, something like that. She invited me to come to her house to take part in a Bible study. I think maybe she thought I had a Bible. I didn't. I had recently just started going to the church and after she asked me, she probably knows this, I don't know if she does or not. I took one from the church. Actually, no, I might have told you this before. I didn't take it because I was too prideful, because I thought that the church people would think that I didn't have a Bible, and I didn't have a Bible, but I didn't want them to see me take the Bible, because then they would know that I didn't have a Bible, and I made my daughter do it. I made my daughter take the Bible, and we actually hung back until the church emptied enough so that no one would really notice the fact that we were leaving with a Bible. And this was a church that actually invited people to take Bibles. <laughs> they did, openly. Reverend Pat Hawkins, I remember very specifically, she said, if any of you here today do not have a Bible, please feel free to take one home with you. And then in the subtext, it would be like, or if you're too prideful to do it yourself, then have your 10-year-old daughter do it for you. That's who I was. It's 2018. That wasn't that long ago. Okay? That person, she knew me when I was closer to, closer to 30 than I am now. 
Okay. <clears throat> this whole thing about uh, uh, religious people and Pharisees and hypocrisy and, you know what? Enough of all of that. Okay? Let's not do that. Um, Here's a great quote that I think kind of will push us into the, the remainder of this. This is from a, a really interesting person. His name is Watchman Nee. And when I was in seminary, this was one of the books that we had to read uh, in a course uh, regarding servant leadership. We had a whole class in learning how to be a leader who was a servant. That is the best kind of class anybody who is going to be a pastor or be a human being honestly should take. Watchman Nee said, unless one has met the grace of God, his or her inward condition remains the same. It is really significant in our life, in the life of a human being, to meet the grace of God. Now, I didn't really know what grace was until I was a pretty mature adult. And what I came to know was that there are people who are extremely gracious and extremely merciful, and they are very diligent to live their lives in a way that do reflect what God is really like, because God is graceful, and God is really good, and compassionate, and merciful, and generous, and kind, and loving. And when we live in a way that demonstrates that, people change, because people are exhausted by the burden of guilt and people making them feel shame or bad or whatever you want to say about it. But when someone comes along and loves them and doesn't condemn them and is graceful to them and gives them a chance and then gives them another chance and then gives them another chance where other people would want to just cut them off and be done, God's not done. And there are those of us who want to follow God who can be like that. People need an encounter of grace. People need to be confronted with grace. Those who follow in the steps of Jesus. People like me, who I am trying to be the kind of person who recognizes her shortcomings, who is honest about her faults. While I don't do it perfectly, I do try to put myself in a place where I recognize God is God, and I need God, and I lack a lot. I need help. I am not perfect. We put ourselves in front of someone who is bigger, and this person who is bigger is the Lord. He's not just the Lord of me or the Lord of you. He's the Lord of all. His lordship is universal. There is not any place in the world that Jesus is not the Lord of. Now, I recognize that there are people and places that do not recognize the Lordship of Jesus. That's true. But it does not discount the fact that he still is who he is. He's the Lord. Our job, I think, as the church from what I have learned and what I continue to still try to learn and what I am learning from really amazing. I got to tell you the, um, 
I am so grateful for Asbury Seminary. Some of you know, some of the leaders around here, we've been educated there. I am so grateful for the things that I have learned from leaders, teachers, preachers, all of those type folks from that place. I cannot tell you enough how grateful I am for their disposition. One of my professors that I had this summer um, wrote a book called uh, On the Road to Missional or something like that. Essentially what he's trying to do is help the church to see that the church is sent to proclaim and demonstrate the rule and reign of God. Okay, We're supposed to let people know, which might require your mouth in some form or fashion, and you're supposed to actually do stuff and live in a way and behave in such a way that matches up with what you say. Imagine that. It's both evangelistic, people hate that word, has to do with speaking, and it's social justice. Other groups hate that word. Whoa. It's not supposed to be an either or. The church does a really good job of trying to be one or the other. Well, we're an evangelistic church. Well, we're a social justice church. Well, so what? We're supposed to be both. And it's supposed to be so entwined that you couldn't, if you tried to separate the two, you couldn't do it. So that's what we're after. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, let's have coffee, please. I want you to come along with me. And along with that, I'll tell you this. Um, Because I am looking, actually, for for some people to have coffee with and some people to hang out with me. Um, So I'm I'm not just, like, saying that just kind of trying to sound nice. I really do mean that. Let's have coffee. Let's hang out. There's this thing that I have learned that I really, really, um, you know, in terms of being a leader, being a leader that invites other people to come along to be a blessing and to be generous in our blessings. One of the books that we had to read uh, this summer for one of my classes It's called uh, Altar in the World or something. It's written by a lovely woman who has all these little very practical things that you can do um, to engage your life in such a way that what you believe actually is played out in your life. And it looks like you actually have faith because your, your, your actual behavior reflects your faith. It's amazing how that can happen. She suggests um, and encourages people to toss blessings. And that's something that I have really, really tried to take to heart and to do. She says, uh, her name is Barbara Brown Taylor, says, I think it is a big mistake to perpetuate the illusion that only certain people can bless things. Like certain people who've gone to seminary, certain people who have these specific calls to this, that, or the other thing, those are the ones that can bless. Matt Leroy could bless people. Well, she's up there, obviously. She's got the mic. She could probably bless some people, but not me. Yeah, you. It is not a true thing that only the people that are up here in the spotlight are the blessers. You actually are blessed to be a blessing too. And I want to encourage you, as Barbara Brown Taylor has taught me, um, to start throwing blessings around. She says, start throwing blessings around and chances are you will start noticing all kinds of things that you never noticed before. If you start walking around day to day in your life blessing everything, even as you walk by something, rather than grumbling, which is really easy to do, bless it. That guy that drives you nuts, that this thing, that all that, 
bless. You don't have to do it showy. Bless you. Don't do that. You know, don't, you don't have to do that. You don't have to be religious showy about it. You can do it quietly. You can also do it tangibly, right? Last thing for me, and then we're going to do the confession together. Um, I really want to get some folks together um, to begin to answer these two questions. And this is going to hopefully propel us into what do we do next kind of thing. These are the questions. What is God saying to you? What is God saying to us? And what are you going to do about it? What are we going to do about it? So that we are not falling into the tendency to become hypocritical people who believe one thing and then act a different way. Let's sincerely together come together and, and be mindful to listen to God in prayer study the scriptures together, really earnestly sit down and say, what is God saying here? What is he saying to me? What's he saying to us? And then say, what are we going to do about it? Prayer of confession. Everybody, if you don't have one, if the person next to you doesn't, please share with them. I'm going to get to do the P part. I'm not sure what the P stands for. Maybe pastor? Preacher. Let's be that today. The P is the preacher. That's me. The C is the congregation. That's you. I'm going to do the P part. You're going to do the C part. And in this moment, I hope that you will find some relief. And then we're going to move over to the bread and the cup, and we are going to recognize the one, Jesus, who is blessed. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Most holy and merciful God. We have not loved you with our whole heart and mind and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. We have shut our ears to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. Our past unfaithfulness, the pride, envy, hypocrisy, and apathy that have infected our lives, we confess to you. Our self-indulgent appetites and ways and our exploitation of other people, we confess to you. Our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to share the faith that is in us, we confess to you. Our neglect of human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty, we confess to you. Our false judgments, our uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and our prejudice and contempt toward those who differ from us, we confess to you. Our waste and pollution of your creation, and our lack of concern for those who come after us, we confess to you. 
Restore us, O God. Amen. I'm going to have uh, Robbie and I think Ellen is here, is going to help me serve communion today. But I just want to recognize in this bread and in this cup, we remember as um, Jesus instructs us in the Gospels, when we come to this table, we remember him and the sacrifice that he made on our behalf so that we would not be stuck guilty sinners forever. There is a way and the way of God that leads us to freedom so that we are free to partake in the life with God and to be reconciled with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I invite you to come today freely with open hands to receive the bread of Christ and to receive the cup of salvation the blood of Christ, poured out and shed for you. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And we say, holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. Come, Holy Spirit. Come and bless these elements of bread and juice. And we pray, Lord, that you would restore us to new life. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.